Well, last week we had the privilege of uh, hearing about and reading about what uh, the young man that's known as the rich young ruler. And his is a tragic story, really. He came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, and he turned around and walked away sad. He did a quick economic analysis of the situation, and he determined somehow that it wasn't going to be worth it for him. That, in fact, he was going to make a different decision. And the reality is we all are faced with those kinds of decisions on the front end. Are we, are we going to follow Jesus? I think a lot of us would like to say, are we going to follow Jesus and how far? Like I'm going to go some of the way or part of the way or a step of the way when in fact you're either following him or you're staying where you are. Well, this man turned around and left. His disciples, on the other hand, were faced and had been faced with that same question. Jesus met them at their um, fishing boats and said, um, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he was in, he invited them to follow and they did. And so now after watching the one man walk away, the disciples were wondering, what am I going to do now? And Peter spoke for the group like he usually did. And he asked Jesus a question. The question is basically, what's in it for us? So I want to to invite you to look at that question yourself. To take your Bibles out and look at Matthew 19, verses 27 to 30. Uh, Matthew 19, 27 to 30 is where Peter says out loud what most of us say in our heads. What's in it for us? Matthew 19, beginning verse 27, reads like this. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, When the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you will have followed Me. You who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for My namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. The rich young ruler had failed the test and turned away. The disciples, you might say, had passed the test, but now had questions. And so the first thing that happens here in this text is is Peter's question. And Peter's question is a simple one. What's in it for us? And surely that has crossed your mind as well. If I do this, if I trust you here, if I give my life to you, what is in it for me? 
And it really is this economic calculation. Will this pay off? That's what he's asking. And so they ask the question, and uh, Jesus then answers him. And Jesus tells him that in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones. Jesus says, when, I, when you come into the new world, I mean, that's how it's translated here. I don't think that's the best translation. Uh, in other words, it kind of puts the whole thing somehow in the future. When Jesus, I think, is being very realistic. And he, I, I would say that the language that Jesus uses is more like when you come into this new way of being. When you come into this when, when you join me in this new generation. In other words, Jesus just really draws on all the things that He said so far in the book of Matthew that this new kingdom is the way of being truly human. And when you follow Me and you live in this new way, if you've done that, if you've forsaken things in order to be with Me, then... He gives a specific uh, answer to those 12 guys, right? He says, when I sit on my throne, you'll sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Jesus then moves from the present time, we've left everything, to the one day, here's where it will pay off. And Jesus looks ahead to when he's sitting on his throne, and he will share in the rule and the reign with these 12. Now, They'll sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I would, love, I, I would love to make this completely clear for all of you. What does this mean? But I'm going to give you more or less kind of uh, all the things I read, which is kind of nothing. Everyone kind of skips this. Which is kind of how it is with most of the hard questions. You find that you do your research and a lot of people just like, eh, let's talk about something else. But there's 12... This is my best guess. I'll do maybe a little more than they did. I'll give you my best guess. My best guess is that there were 12 disciples or 12 apostles. Why 12? I think Jesus chose 12 to correspond to 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? So when there's 12 thrones, them sitting on them judging 12 tribes shouldn't be a problem that there's 12 everywhere, right? Okay, there's 12 everywhere. Because what Jesus sees is continuity between what had been happening with the 12 tribes of Israel, that God was redeeming the world. He, the promise He made to Abraham that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you in those 12 tribes, that that is what God was doing there. Now that Jesus is here, He is the fulfillment of all that God was doing there such that now those who are closest to Him will carry on that um, continuity. They'll carry on that redemptive work of Jesus, and they'll judge the 12 tribes, I believe, of spiritual Israel here. So that's the best I can guess at what Jesus is promising them, that they will participate in, uh, with Him in... Um, 
sort of judging or ruling the people of God that have been redeemed from all the ages so that the work of Jesus continues. So there's continuity there. That's the way that I see that. Then, in answering Peter's question, Jesus goes from the specific, you 12, here's 12 thrones, here's your job, to everyone. Look at verse 29. And everyone. So this includes everybody who has ever left any of these things for Jesus and His namesake. And so I would love to um, sort of uh, spend some time talking about this, but I've decided to do something a little different today. Um, I have invited some friends to come up here and join me uh, on the stage, and we've got a little reconfiguring of the stage to do. But they're going to come up, and I'm just going to ask them about what these verses mean to them and have meant to them. And I think that it will be uh, an encouraging time for all of you. So bear with us just a moment as we set up the stage, and I want to invite you guys to go ahead and come on up here. Okay, let me just give a brief introduction to who is up here, for those of you who don't know. Uh, on the left here, in the bright orange shirt, <laughs> is uh, Tim and his wife Joan. They, uh, they serve on the other side of the world, and uh, they'll tell you a little bit more about uh, that, and uh, they've made some uh, hard choices to get over. Then uh, Stephanie Rogers is next. She, too, has served on the other side of the world. Uh, and has uh, kind of closed that chapter of her life. And so, well, first of all, Tim is here because he had shoulder surgery, so he is like my pal on that. And um, I'm very sympathetic. Then Stephanie, though, is between, you know, assignments. What God has for her next is what she's still discovering, but she's sort of closed the chapter in Slovenia. Then uh, Cindy Shaw is next, and Von Fullington, they have been part of the Followers of Christ in Oregon City. Uh, Cindy's been here about four years or so, and Vaughn left on the very first day of COVID. I will always remember that unusual decision. But nonetheless, and she'll probably always remember (laughs) my reaction to... She says I reacted to that differently than I remember it, but she's probably right, so that's fair. But uh, I want to... Just ask them some questions, let them uh, interact with this text a little bit, and uh, let you listen in. How's that? So, um, the first thing that I would uh, ask is just this. When you think of Jesus' words of leaving houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake, what are the first things that come to your mind? And tell us about that. Anybody. Yeah. Anybody, anybody. We have no particular order. should pass the mic around. Um, I think for me, the, the first thing and major thing that I've always felt was the sense of home. So with leaving and moving to Slovenia, I'm changing language and culture. I'm leaving behind my family, my friends, and this kind of sense of, of self and identity with being from here, being an Oregonian, being a Christian in America, just realizing like, oh, I'm leaving some of that behind to enter in and and kind of embed in a different place and culture and to speak another language and to be at home there. 
So I think really understanding that was going to be a cost um, and, and that changes resources and relationships and decisions. And then also too recognizing now that I have also come back is my sense of home is kind of maybe ruined forever because a little oh. part of my heart, not little, a large part of my heart will always have its place in Sylvania because of what God did there and my relationships and friendships. And so that I'm, I'm a little just going to be messed up for life and owning that. And that oh, the, the truth, though, that like Jesus is my home and Jesus goes wherever I go. And so I can be OK because of that. But that that was really something I had to kind of release to him. For what it's worth, we don't think of you as messed up forever. <laughs> just saying. OK. So I would say um, when we left followers, we knew what the cost was. Um, that was not a surprise to us. The cost is losing your family. So we've lost children, grandchildren, um, our moms, siblings, um, jobs. I think uh, just our sense of life, the only thing we knew was also missing and gone. And so that was a scary time, but um, Having Jesus through that all was a huge comfort, and um, it doesn't really make sense to say out loud that you could lose all of that and be joyous and um, thankful, but, but we are. Wow. Yeah, my story is much the same. Um, I think of the man who used to be my husband, um, he chose to stay there, and I knew that that would be the cost. It wasn't like I was counting the cost. I knew that that was the cost because we'd been married for 40, over 40 years, and I, I just, I knew his thoughts and uh, the doctrines that he believed. And um, Cindy's grandchildren are small. Uh, my youngest out at followers is 16 now. And then there's two other grandchildren that have gotten married in the last year. And we just heard through the grapevine because they don't, they won't talk to you. Um, and so uh, I have one son out there and his wife. And I took about a year um, after I started learning really about the gospel and Jesus I took about a year to study the book of Romans and kind of write a little commentary out um, to give to my two sons that are at followers. My oldest son had left about a year before me. And um, I wanted to plant seeds for them because the reason I wrote it out was because they, you can't talk about things. You can't talk about Jesus out there because they, it just turns into yelling matches um, they're scared. They don't want to listen. They want to tell you what you are supposed to believe. And so I took that time to, to plant seeds for them. And then uh, the moment came when I just, I had to tell my husband that I was, I was going to come to a church that, that actually teaches the Bible correctly. And um, I knew what was going to happen. And, and he, he left a few days Later, he moved out, and you know. But Jesus is with you, and mm. He helps you. He helps you through it, and He does give you joy and strength. Uh, you you don't you can't do that alone, and you can't go on your missions alone. You just Jesus is just taking you by the hand, and He's He's guiding you. 
when, <clears throat> when we first went overseas, it was just Tim and myself, and um, it, it, I had already kind of moved away from my family. I'd moved out to the Midwest to go to school and married a man from the Midwest, and we lived out there for a while. And um, so I just felt like I was following the Lord and didn't think too much about it. But since, so we spent 20 years in, um, in West Africa, and, um, and then back here, we were nine years back in the States, and now we're, we've been two years overseas again. And what I find hard now is um, leaving my two adult sons. Uh, one is doing pretty well, and the other one has really struggled with finding his life, and, and he's struggled with us not being around, although he never really asks or takes any advice I give him. So <laughs> and I don't know why he's like that. But anyway, it's, it's a, that, that's been hard to um, leave them home when we return. Okay. Well, good. Um, I'm curious whether you sort of uh, did a cost-benefit analysis, pros, cons, you know, yellow sheet of paper, line down the middle, figuring it out beforehand, or if you maybe discovered the cost uh, after the fact, whether it's when you first uh, went overseas or when you first, you know, trusted Christ and knew what that meant to you. Did, did you see it ahead of time, or did you do it afterwards? You figured it out afterwards. Um, well, I think that we just, uh, we were just obeying Jesus and doing what he wanted to do, us to do, and, but we did know that there was a cost, and I may, may have tried to mitigate that a little bit. Um, we, um, I'm a physician, and uh, I'm told that they make pretty good money here, um, but um, uh, better than what you make as a worker. Okay. And, uh, uh, but I, I, while I was a resident, I was interacting with a, a, a woman, a librarian who was a widow, widower, no, widow. And she said that you should not leave your wife in the lurch. And so um, we wanted to be free to go, go abroad on our own if God called in that direction or to go with an organization that maybe didn't have a lot of, you know, that was like a pure faith-based thing and not much resources. So I bought a whole life uh, um, insurance policy that would cover my wife for 50 years. I think it's still in force, actually. Uh, and uh, so that it were I, something to happen to me that she would have that. Uh, so I, we, we did count the cost mm -hmm. and um, um, okay. in that way. Thank you. Yeah, we, we didn't really need to make a pros and cons list, I guess, because we knew. We knew what the cost was. Um, we had done it. We had been there our whole lives. Me and Mark are fourth generation, both of us there. So we had also rejected family who had left there. So we knew what the cost was. That was not a surprise. Um, the Lord is gracious, and we didn't lose all of our children for now, but... Um, which we did think we were gonna just leave the two of us with no children, no grandchildren. Um, but yeah, we didn't really have to make a list. We knew, okay. what the, we knew what the cost was. Yeah, I think for me, I have a very distinct memory sitting in my parents' family room at the desk 
and just kind of recognizing. So I'd, I'd quit my job. I was waiting for the funds to come in kind of and the green light to move. And uh, just recognizing like, oh, I'm doing this and this is gonna change everything. Um, and not necessarily like pros and cons, but just like I, I am stepping forward in faith like I'm choosing this kind of path that's less taken, and here, here we go, it's, it's really gonna color my life from now on, um, my whole future. And so I definitely, I mean, obviously I still went. Um, okay. But just that acknowledgement, which I think was really key for me so that when it did get hard later on or when surprising costs came up, I was like, no, I had that moment where I was aware enough to choose and to step in faith, and that was kind of a, actually a helpful anchor as time went on too. Yeah. Okay. It comes and goes, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> so um, at some point in my, um, probably about four years after I was a believer, I, I started getting interested in, in overseas work. And somebody, I don't remember who it was exactly or when I heard it, but they said, or they encouraged us to proceed as if we were going to go overseas and until God tells you not to. And so that's, that's what I did. And um, God just never told me no. So, um, and he kept making the path forward. And so, um, so that's kind of how I ended up Good. going overseas. Thank you. Well, there was also that moment when I because I had been in a relationship with a wonderful girl from Oregon, uh, not this one. Um, oh. And uh, getting um, interesting now, right? And she, um, and at the end of the day, um, I I dropped her because she said she wanted to go out with somebody else. Um, and um, <laughs> um, but it came out that she was never that sold on on overseas work, and I was 100% sold at that time. So when we met Joan, I told Joan, look, I'm going overseas. If that's not your thing, we don't need to date. And so, so there was a little bit of a cost. But I had made the decision already. I was going to China when, I, when he told that to me. So it wasn't like he just dragged me to Africa. But, okay. I mean, he did drag me to Africa, I guess, but <laughs> instead of China. But it was better to go to Africa than China. <laughs> okay. Well, what... Um you guys have all kind of talked about the, the cost of the decisions that you very consciously made. I mean, what was it about, so not the con side of the paper, but the pro side. In other words, what was it about Jesus that, you know, makes you say that was a good decision? Is there something about Jesus or something about what you've received that says, yeah, this is good? I, I love being overseas and out of a comfortable, I mean, at times I do. Sometimes I struggle. But mostly I love being overseas and outside of the um, comfortable places, place in the United States. And I've experienced that here. And, and I've experienced life there. And I'm just a lot closer with Jesus when mm. I'm overseas and when life is different and a little more complicated. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pitch in on that because, you know, occasionally I get letters from them 
describing what she just said makes her close to Jesus. I mean, it's 110 degrees. She's covered up. There's languages going on that she doesn't speak and sometimes sitting on the floor. And I, I kind of expressed this minute. She said, yeah, and eating goat or camel. And I thought, okay, how much do I want to be close to Jesus? That's <laughs> really... So she means that when she says it, yes. Anyway, sorry, somebody else. Your husband's name is Mark? Yeah. Um, he stole all the verses that I was going to share in the first service. Uh, so, but I get them back now because he's, he's teaching Sunday school. Um, and because uh, um, I, I, seriously, the two verses that he shared, I, I was thinking of. Um, when uh, Jesus says to Peter, are you, gonna, are you going to uh, mm -hmm. abandon me too? And Peter says, where else should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And, and my relationship with Jesus is just, you know, there's nothing else for that. And it seems like Jesus wanted me to conduct that where he was taking me. So I just, I just went. Um, but the, the um, amazing, well, that'll come later. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, it, it was, it's Jesus's steadfast love. Uh, it's the hope that he brings. Um, it's the joy that he brings even when you have sorrow. Um, he is a steadfast anchor of hope. And uh, when I, I worry about my, my family that does not know Jesus, I can just rejoice in the hope that he gives that he is in control and, you know, it, he, they're in his hands and there's no better hands for them to be in. So um, I, just, I just have hope for them. And um, you just, it's just a real security when you're in Christ. Um, you know that he's got you and he's bought you with a price and um, he just, he possesses me and I am, I am safe in him. Yeah, going through um, the hardest part, the grief of hearing the words, you know, we can no longer have you in our lives or um, you, we're dangerous or whatever it is. Um, it's just this, I trust him and I believe because the joy and the hope that I had in that moment of just like, almost like he, he had broke that last chain that I wasn't able to do on my own to follow him. And so that's how gracious he is, that he will do the, those hard things sometimes for us so that we are free to follow him. I just think of the, um, the phrase of, you can gain the whole world, but you can forfeit your soul. So for me, I think whatever the cost is, is like I get to have my soul with Jesus and feel whole and complete, and that's no small thing. No small thing, thank you. So I, I, I imagine that I, I'm going to trust most of you that you're paying attention, that you're kind of getting from them what they're offering, but just in case, would you have any advice for anybody who's either contemplating uh, trusting Christ and actually following Him for the first time, or Maybe there's some people here who have, you know, taken the first few steps but know that or have a sense that maybe they should keep going and they're not really willing to. Do you have any advice for anybody here who maybe needs to follow more 
uh, follow Jesus more seriously, maybe? Well, I would say anybody um, in the same situation me and Mark were in, where you know the cost is loved ones or um, just a comfortable lifestyle that you're you're used to. You don't know anything else. Um, Mark brought up an, another verse that I wanted to share, and this is what I would tell them that. Romans 8.18 says, uh, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So it is worth it, no matter what the cost is. And you won't do it alone. Jesus is with you the whole time. And he promises that. Thank you. Yeah, and I would say um, that Jesus doesn't he doesn't ask you to take a blind leap of faith. Um, he has a book, <laughs> and there's lots of things in there. Uh, he asks you to, to, um, to come to him and to learn uh, from him. And there's just amazing things that you learn. And so I don't think you have to look at it as just taking a flying leap. You can take a baby step toward him. and. If you want to take that baby step, that is because he, you can, it's the Holy Spirit. You can picture that Jesus is just taking your hand. He is in front of you. He's taking your hand, and he's gently pulling you toward him. He is also beside you. He is also behind you um, because you're going to fall, and he's going to catch you, and so it doesn't have to be scary. You just have to take a baby step toward him, and he'll help you. That's great. And it is so worth it. There, there's just so much joy and freedom if you're in a place where you, you maybe you have an addiction or you have a lifestyle that you're just, you're afraid to give up, you don't know how. Um, he'll give you the strength to do it, and he'll, he'll help you. And your life will just be so much better, even though, yes, there's still sorrows. Um, it's just so much better. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think too, in terms of the, the context of what does it look like to walk with Jesus and in different seasons, I think we're all on mission with God. So we were talking earlier, like we're not like super Christians just because this is the journey the Lord's had us on. Um, but that we all have that invitation to walk with Jesus and make hard decisions. There's a cost for all of us who are in this room, whether that's financial or career or family um, commitments that we make. There's, there's costs for all of us and not to get caught in comparison, but to really say, um, okay, like, Lord, I'm all in. And so whatever all in looks like for you, I hope that you are living with that sense of peace and conviction um, that you're walking the path God has invited you to at this season just as much as we have felt that. Um, and I, I mean, I just don't know any other way to live. <laughs> um, and I think the journey is worth it. And the fact, too, I think I've experienced more of the family of God um, through this process of walking with him, too, in a way that because of, of leaving physical blood family behind, like the beauty of the family of God and what it means to walking with him is also walking with his people. Um, and I wouldn't trade the taste of that for, for anything. Um, so, yeah, but it, it definitely is a journey you got to take. I, I would encourage people, too, to have an open attitude, an open heart before the Lord, 
in reading the scriptures and asking the Lord to uh, show you if there's something as you read, as you do your daily devotions, to be open to him showing you something in his word that, uh, that you need to obey or um, yeah, that you can hold on to as a promise, something like that. I'm not sure why I'm thinking about this. Maybe there's somebody that this applies to, but I'm thinking about something my dad said. He said, I offered up all you kids to the Lord. I just didn't think he was going to take any of you. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a cost in that direction as well. But, you know, having said that, there is a, for some people here, there might be a big step that they need to make, and there's no way around that. We all took that big step. Um, those of us that lived in Christian families, it was not as big. Maybe it didn't seem as big, but it was a big step. And uh, those of us that were in a very different environment, a huge step. And uh, um, that needs to happen. But there's a lot of little steps. And God brings us along. And I was just going to share uh, how God brought my wife along incrementally. Um, we uh, went, wanted to go serve overseas, but, and, and we wanted to reach a certain kind of people, uh, but God led us to countries that were not quite as intense, and, and Joan was particularly congratulating herself that God had never... Uh, God. She was, <laughs> I stand corrected. Praising God. Praising the Lord that she didn't have to learn a certain language that's really hard in order to reach these people, because many people uh, in that religion uh, speak that language. And um, then fast forward 30 years when we're in our 60s, and uh, we're in a place where we have to learn that language. So God prepared us along the way, and he will prepare you for the steps that you need to take. Well, I just want to say thank you for sharing with us what, um, how the Lord's directed you and led you and supported you and been close to you. Um, I, hope, I hope that they've inspired you and encouraged you like they have me. But, uh, I mean, the Scripture closes with the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I mean, this little text. And it's uh, uh, just a reminder that you're not going to be a loser if you follow Jesus. You're, you're, you're not going to be worse off because you follow Jesus. And... There is, um, you know, like they mentioned, there's some, probably something in front of you that's, that's going to be hard, that you've been resisting, that you've been saying no, no, no until today. And I hope that maybe their encouragement will um, help you across the line to say, okay, yes, I will do it. I will trust you. I will uh, go the next step to follow you. And I do believe that if I end up if I start out last, I'll end up first, and I'm just going to trust you to make it work. And so some of it is just a hard walk of faith. I, I love the fact that some of, the, some of the decisions were clear. Some of them were not clear. Some of them were hard. Well, all of them were hard. None of them were very easy, but we all face those kinds of things. And, you know, are you going to be one that says yes to Jesus or somehow tries to tries to go two steps and that's all or something. So I hope you'll, I hope you'll be encouraged by them and uh, that you'll trust, uh, trust the Lord that he will keep his promise 
and he will uh, repay hundredfold whatever it is that you sacrifice. Let's, let me pray for us, and then um, and we'll continue our worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for these uh, men and women who shared with us. Thank you for your um, patience with those of us who do tap the brakes. Thank you for your um, encouragement that you do love us and you are near us and you will be with us as we do this. Father, I, I don't know all of the things that are going through people's minds that um, they know the right thing to do and are having a hard time doing it. I pray for your grace for each of us to take the next step and to follow you more completely. And would you um, show us your kindness and help us to follow and trust you. And we'll thank you that uh, you will never leave us or forsake us. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.